1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren. Notice he said brethren. He's talking to saved people, right? And exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, watch this, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Preacher, ask the blessing tonight. Before I get into the message, let me tell you. Let me tell you where the, I, I don't know how it, I don't know how it is with you, preacher. But sometimes I, I'll think about one thing and I'll kick it around in my head for three or four or five days. I, it, it might be that attention deficit thing. I don't know. I, sometimes I just kick a thought around in my head for three or four days. And the other day, I, I was sitting at work and I, I had Spotify in my ear while I was doing the uh, the digital records. You know, in. Uh, for a digital copy in case the courthouse was to burn down. And, and that old Naomi and the Seagulls song came on. And you've heard Joanne sing it. She says uh, the song, my, Is My Lord Satisfied With Me? And so ever since I heard that song the other day, I've been kicking this thought over and over and over and over in my thought, uh, in my head, over and over and over again. So uh, you, you pray for me and I'll try not to make a mess out of this. Now, if you know anything about your Bible, uh, you're aware of the fact that the Apostle Paul wrote half of the books in the New Testament. Uh, we call them the epistles of Paul. Paul uh, would write letters, an epistle's a letter, and he would write to a group of people or to a church or, or somebody that he was uh, mentoring at the time. And, and Paul was writing these letters and he was corresponding with churches that he had planted or the people that he had dealt with. So Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica and in chapter 4, verse number 1, he says, I want want to exhort you on something. The word exhort means to encourage. It means to build up. It means to cheer somebody on. Paul said, I want to encourage you on how y'all to walk. Boy, this Christian life's a walk, isn't it? It's a journey, isn't it, preacher? It's a journey that starts upon receiving salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And it ends when we cross the finish line, when we step into eternity. It's a journey. That's why we call it a walk. Paul said, I want to encourage you in your walk, but I want you to understand one very important thing about your walk with the Lord. I want you to understand how important it is to please God. He said, it's very important, brethren, that you understand what it takes to please God. Now the word please means, I looked this up, It means to take one's wishes into consideration in deciding on how to proceed. It means to bring gladness. When we say, I I just want so-and-so to be pleased uh, with this or that, some of us uh, that still work, we want our employer to be pleased with our performance on the job. You ladies that cook, you want your husband to be pleased with the meal that you put down on the table. Now, some of you women could care less, and I don't blame you. All right. Don't go to meddling. But when we say we want somebody to be pleased, what we mean is we want them to be glad, to be happy, to enjoy what we're doing. Paul is saying, I want you to understand how important it is, how crucial it is, how vital it is for the Christian to live their life in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Paul said, it's important for Christians to know what it takes for God to be satisfied with their life. Then Here's what Paul said right after that. He said, because your walk is right and because your life is pleasing to the Lord, the automatic reflex of that is what does the end of that verse say, preacher? 
it will cause you to abound more and more. Paul was saying if you'll get your priorities straight and if you'll just focus on pleasing God, then God's going to add to the church, He's going to bless your family, and He's going to do special, something special in your life all because you decided you made a conscientious choice to please Him. It's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. It's a choice you have to make every day on whether or not you're going to please God or not in your life in that particular day. Uh, Paul was trying uh, to teach us a really simple principle. It's simple, preacher. I mean, this is, this is bottom shelf easy stuff. There's no deep theology here. There, there's nothing mysterious here. I, I mean, there's no exegesis or eisegesis or any of that stuff, Terry. I mean, this is simple. But so many of our people miss it. The concept of being pleasing to God is something that just escapes our people, Benny. We feel like uh, that we have so many other people in, in our lives to satisfy and to please. And we just shove God somewhere at the back of the line, don't we? Uh, The sad truth, the sad reality is this tonight, folks. Uh, God is the last person that we're interested in being pleasing towards. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, if your priorities are straight, I submit to you tonight that God should be at the forefront of our thoughts and not an afterthought when it comes to who our life is pleasing to. So I don't want to give you any deep, the- deep theology tonight. I'm not going to say anything provi- profound. I'm not even going to give you anything new. My thought's real simple tonight. Here it is. I want to preach on two small words, preacher. I want to preach on the words pleasing God. Pleasing God. Now all through the Bible, preacher, <coughs> excuse me, you can read about two groups of people. You can split them right down the middle. You can tell them apart real easy. There was a group of people who did please God... And there was a group of people who didn't please God. You can take it back all the way to the book of Genesis. Uh, You can take it back to the first blood sacrifice you ever read about. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. Cain brought uh, uh, vegetables from his garden. And Abel brought the best lamb he had. And God showed favor on Abel's sacrifice. And Abel, Abel pleased God because his priorities were straight. Because he was interested in pleasing God. He was interested in doing what's right. All through the Bible though you can read about uh, there's always been a group of people who wanted to please God and there's always been a group of people who could care less. So let me just show you uh, a few things about both those crowds and, and we'll go to the house. Number one, let me talk about that other crowd. First of all, let me mention that other crowd that doesn't please God. Let me talk about that crowd that isn't interested in doing God's will for their life. Well, what kind of t- person are you talking about, Brother Chris? Well, let me just mention a few to you. Uh, let me just mention a few of the kind of folks that I'm talking about. What about this? What about selfish people? Yeah. What about selfish people? Here's what the Bible says, Romans 15, 1 through 3. Don't turn there if you need the Scripture references. Go back and watch the video. Somebody say amen right there. The Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ not, pleased not, pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on them. Here, here's Paul writing again. This time he's writing to the Romans. And here's what he's saying. Real simple. Don't miss it. He's saying don't be selfish. 
He's saying don't get conceited. Don't get wrapped up in yourself. Don't turn yourself into a God, if you will. Uh, I mean, does anybody know the kind of person I'm talking about tonight? Anybody know any selfish people? Hello? Are y'all okay out there? Anybody know any selfish people? Uh, I mean, uh, scientifically speaking, Becky, the solar system revolves around the sun. But selfish people think the solar system revolves around them. I mean, the whole world revolves around them to their every whim, to their every preference. And they think, and they think if they don't like something, the whole world just has to stop. Why? Because they're so wrapped up in their self. Uh, they're not interested in the needs of others. Uh, they don't care who they have to hurt to get what they want. They don't care what they have to do to achieve their goals and to meet their ends. Uh, they want what they want and they couldn't care less about somebody else. They're not interested in anybody else. They're not interested in the lives of others. They're not interested in doing God's will for their life. They're interested in one thing and one thing only. And you know what that is? Their self. Number one. Somebody said it like this one time, preacher, and I liked it. He said, selfish people don't only live the way that they want to live, but they want everybody else to live that way too. And I'm talking about no consideration for somebody else. I'm talking about never taking somebody else's needs or feelings into consideration when an issue or a matter comes up. I mean, I'm talking about being totally conceited and wrapped up in yourself. Hey, God's not pleased with that mess, sir. We just read that Jesus, the darling Son of God, didn't even... Seek to, to please himself. Even Jesus looked on the needs of another. Even Jesus was concerned about other people. Hey, may I say tonight, ladies and gentlemen, shame on us for being so selfish and so self-centered and so conceited and so wrapped up in ourselves. Well, anyhow, i got to move on. All the selfish people are mad at me. If you didn't at least nod, we all know you're selfish tonight. Somebody help me right there. i got to move on. What about this? Not only are there selfish people that are not pleasing to God, but what about those who would rather please men than please God? You can call them what you want to. You can call them by a lot of names, preacher. You can call them people pleasers. You can call them doormats. You can call them whatever you want to. Uh, but I submit to you tonight, there's, there's a, a whole crowd of people who are far more concerned with the applause of men than they are the great God of heaven. There's a whole crowd of people who need that pat on the back. I think of... And I'm not going to call no names and I'm not trying to be ugly... But I can think of a singing group right now that drives 11 hours to North Carolina every year to get a little little plastic trophy from a music association every year. Gas is too high for that nonsense. But here's what we came up with. Here's what we decided, preacher. We decided that something in them had decided that they need that pat on the back. There's something in them that's decided they need that little cheap plastic trophy. Uh, I, I mean, we've got some down at Linda's that we won over the years. They're, they're, they're sitting down there boxed up and collecting dust. But anyhow, some people, it just seems like, preacher, they've got to have. 
that pat on the back. They've got to have that recognition. Uh, Galatians 1.10 puts it pretty plain. It says, uh, for, I do, for do I now persuade men or God... Or do I seek to please men? Now watch this. Watch what it says. Galatians 1.10 For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know the kind of folks I'm talking about? Uh, they, they're the ones who always want their name mentioned from the pulpit. They're the ones who've got to have their name on a plaque on the wall. They're the ones who always got to be bragged on. You always got to pump them up. You always got to prime them. You always got to baby their ego. Preacher, I know you've pastored people like that. Don't answer this. It'll get you... Don't, don't answer this. You'll get in trouble. But you're probably pastoring a few just like that right now, ain't you? They got to have their ego stroked. They, uh, they, uh, they got to have that recognition. Uh, they, gotta, they, they crave that applause. And if they're going to do something for somebody else, they want everybody to know about it. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you do your good in secret and your Father will reward you out in the open. But if you do your good out in the open, that's your reward. That's it. I think about all these people who, who get on social media and they, and they make all these uh, social media posts about how, how much money they've gave or how many homeless people they've fed or how many shelters they've worked in. That's their reward, preacher. That's it. You do your good in secret and God will reward you for it. But you go ahead and get on Facebook and brag about all the good you've done. You go to church on you go to church on Sunday morning and tell how good you've done and talk about all the money you've donated and talk about all the people you fed this week at your reward. And don't expect anything from God, by the way. I didn't mean to say all that, but I enjoyed it. But I'm talking about the kind of people that, that if they're going to do something for somebody else, preacher, they've got to be recognized for it. They want everybody to know about it. Why? Because they crave the applause. They crave the pat on the back. They crave the recognition from somebody else. But here's what your Bible said. Now don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the Bible. Your, your Bible just said that if your focus and your aim and your goal is to please men and to be recognized and to get the pat on the back and to get the applause and the recognition, then you shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't even be a servant of Christ. That's what your Bible said. That's just the Bible, folks. That's just the Bible. Now don't get me wrong. I appreciate a kind word. I appreciate a compliment. I appreciate it when somebody wants to brag on me and say something nice about me. I appreciate that. Uh, But I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about constantly needing, wanting, craving to be recognized, to be patted on the back. And your Bible says if that's all you care about, if that's all you're concerned about, eh, then you shouldn't even follow Christ. That's just the Bible. My goodness, preacher, you can't even read the Bible without people getting upset, can you? Well, anyhow, i got to hurry. I'll tell you another way that you cannot be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. What about this? What about flesh? What about flesh? Flesh isn't pleasing to God. Being fleshly and being carnal-minded is certainly not pleasing to God. Preacher, it's 357 degrees up here. What have y'all done to the heat? I'm sweating through my socks, brother. That's right, go ahead. That's good for you. Sweat on. Preach on. 
Romans chapter 8, this is what the Bible says. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. He said, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. He didn't say they might not. He didn't say they probably won't, preacher. He said fleshly people, people who are wrapped up in the flesh, people who are carnal-minded, cannot please God. That's pretty definite, isn't it? Dear friend, we live in a society today that's totally and completely and utterly geared toward the lust of the flesh. We're so quick to give in and give our flesh everything that it wants. Why, preacher? Because we love it. We enjoy it. God bless you, woman. Preacher, if that ain't a help meet, I'll eat your dirty socks. We love those things that are fleshly. What are you talking about, preacher? What is it that feeds the flesh, preacher? It's sin. Sin. It's sin, ma'am. It's sin, sir, that feeds the flesh. Might I just remind you that your flesh is just as wicked now as it was two seconds before you got saved and your flesh still craves sin like a dog craves a bone. Somebody say amen right there. Let me help you. Can I tell you how I can spot somebody who's feeding their flesh and not living their life in a way that's pleasing to God? They'll say stuff like this. Let me help you. Don't let it offend you. I don't feel convicted of it. Is everybody okay? I don't see anything wrong with it. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody want to testify? Anybody ever said that? Anybody want to fess up while we're here tonight? Uh, Ma'am, you don't have to feel convicted if it's a commandment because, bless God, it's a commandment. The Word of God is not a book of situations. We treat the Bible, preacher, uh, like it's a book of situations and situational ethics. We, We treat the commandments of God like they're antiquated and they're outdated and they're not relevant anymore. But ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you tonight that this King James Bible is just as relevant now as it was when God inspired holy men of old to write it. The Word of God isn't about your situations. Uh, uh, The commandments of God aren't going to change to suit your preferences and to suit your ethics. We're not going to rewrite this Bible just because you like to feed your flesh, sir. A commandment's a commandment. Doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter when it is, doesn't matter what it is. A commandment is a commandment, period. And by the way, I really don't care if you feel convicted of it or not. I, I could care less. I I could care less what you do or do not see wrong with something. If it's in the Bible, if it's in black and white, your convictions I could care less about. Your convictions are irrelevant when it comes to a commandment. And by the way, God's not pleased with that garbage. God isn't satisfied with that mess. God isn't pleased with you feeding your flesh all week long. Hey, I'm talking about going around and cussing and telling nasty jokes. I'm I'm talking about you've got your beer and your liquor hid in the back of the refrigerator somewhere just in case the preacher comes by. Then Then you want to come to church on Sunday morning and hoop and holler and shout. God's not pleased with any of your nonsense. Amen. Good preaching. Thank you. I've got to hurry. Let me mention one more. Don't hurry. Just tell it all. <clears throat> You'll find this one 
Hebrews 11.6. The Bible says, Without faith, preacher, it's impossible. Without faith. Is everybody listening? Is everybody okay? Without faith, it's impossible. Impossible. You know what that word means? It means without possibility. There's no chance. There's no possibility. There's no hope uh, of pleasing God without faith. I'm talking about faith in God, by the way. Here's the sad thing with the modern day church preacher, and I've got to move on. We'll put our faith in this preacher. Now, let me just stop right there and say, this man of God's worthy of your confidence. You ought to have confidence in your preacher. If you don't have confidence in your preacher, you need to take your name off the roll and go somewhere else where you can have confidence in a man of God, by the way. Uh, we'll put confidence in our preacher. We'll put faith in our preacher. We'll put, God help us, we'll put faith in Congress. We'll put faith in our elected officials. As, as, as bad as I hate to say this, preacher, some people put a whole lot of faith in the President of the United States. Yet some of us still won't put our faith where it belongs. And that's in the God of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. It's a sad day for the church, ladies and gentlemen. It, it really is. It's truly a sad day because here's the problem. Church folk just about, just about believe, preacher, that God's gone out of business. And here's the sad reality. Terry, we don't believe God for nothing anymore. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about people who are faithful, who are here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every night of the revival, and we just don't believe God can anymore. And if we do believe God can, Joanne, we're not so sure that God will. Some of us are never going to be pleasing to God because we just won't take Him at His word and trust Him. We're never going to please God if we don't have faith. If we don't have faith in Him, we don't have a chance of ever pleasing God. That's the crowd that does not please God. Second of all, excuse me. Let me take, you, let me take time to tell you this real quick. Second of all, let's talk about the people who do please God. Let's talk about those who, who, who do strive to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Hey, thank God there's still a crowd of folks who still care about being pleasing in the sight of the Lord. There's still a remnant. There's still a minority who, who want to serve God. There's still a few preacher who want God to be satisfied and pleased with their life. There's a few. There's not many. But thank God there's still a few. What is it? What is it that somebody can do? What is it that a Christian can do to be pleasing in the sight of God? What is it? What is the lifestyle? What are the choices that somebody can make in order to be pleasing to God? Let me show you just a few illustrations from the Scripture. First of all, let me say that those who are submitted to God, submitted to God's will for their life, those are the kind of people that are pleasing to God. I was thinking of an example for this preacher, and the best example I can think of is Solomon. Now, now Solomon messed up later on in life. I mean, bless God, Solomon had a thousand wives and concubines. You want to talk about being in a mess. I love my wife, but bless God, I don't want a thousand of her. 
I couldn't have, my nerves couldn't take it, preacher. You married men, just nod and smile. Don't say nothing. Don't, don't say amen. Don't say hallelujah. Don't say nothing. You'll pay for that later. Now, he messed up. But you've got to think about this. Solomon started real well. I mean, Solomon was the king. He was rich beyond comprehension. You remember the Queen of Sheba came all the way just to see Solomon's wealth and how, people, how, how happy Solomon's people were. I mean, he was established. He's sitting on top of the world, preacher. So God tells Solomon, he said, Solomon, you can ask me for anything you want. Solomon, you ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. You remember, God was going to give him anything. Anything means anything, hello? God was going to give him anything. Uh, but at this time in his life, Solomon's motives were right. right. He, his priorities were straight. His head was screwed on right, if you will. And here's what Solomon said, 1 Kings 3, 9 and 10. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. And the speech, what Solomon had asked him for, Benny, pleased the Lord. Solomon asked God for wisdom. He said, God, I want to be able to judge your people. I want to be able to know the difference between right and wrong. I want to be able to know what to do. Whatever the situation is. Uh, uh, Solomon asked God for wisdom and it pleased God. Why? Because instead of asking for something fleshly, something stupid, uh, something selfish, Solomon was submitted to God, preacher. He wanted to serve God properly. Solomon wanted to, to properly rule over the, over the nation of God. He wanted to do what God had called him to do properly. He took his position as king seriously. Time out. Here's the problem with a lot of leadership in a lot of churches, preacher. We don't take it seriously anymore. Let me tell you something about this preacher. This man right here and this man right here have the highest calling in any land. It's to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. These preachers would have to step down. They'd have to take a demotion to be the President of the United States. There's no higher calling, there's no higher office than what takes place in this pulpit Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And shame on us preachers if we don't take it seriously. That's why I think you ought to study. That's why, that's why I think you ought to know the Word. That's why, I think, that's why I don't think it's right for evangelists to have five messages and preach them everywhere they go. Hey, if God's in it... Hey, I, I've, I've re-preached stuff before. There's nothing wrong with that as long as God's in it. But there ain't no place for being lazy in the pulpit, preacher. There ain't no place uh, uh, for being slack in the pulpit. Well, anyhow, that didn't have nothing to do with anything. He took his position seriously. He, he wanted to do what God had called him to do properly. And, and the one thing that he needed so desperately uh, uh, to carry out God's will for his life was wisdom. And, he, and that superseded every other desire and every other whim that Solomon probably had. And because of that, because Solom, uh, Solomon wanted to please God, the Bible says that he did. The Bible says that his speech, his prayer, please God. Can I tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, 
that the greatest lack, the greatest place where we're slack in our movement today is a lack of concern for God's will. I mean, you talk to, you talk to young people. You talk to saved young people, preacher. And you say, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll say all kinds of good things. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a dentist. I want to be a nurse. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I've yet to ask a young person who says they're saved and they say, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeking the Lord's will. Here's why. And there's nothing wrong with having goals. And there's nothing wrong with having ambition. Matter of fact, there's something wrong with somebody who doesn't have any ambitions and doesn't have any goals. You, I don't care if you're 97 years old and your only goal is getting up out of bed every morning. You ought to have some goals. Somebody say amen. But we live in days where we're not concerned about God's will, preacher. The average church member could care less if they're submitted to God's will for their life, and that's a shame, and that's a sorry, that's a sorry disgrace is what that is. Not only, not only do we not care, we're not interested. We're indifferent. Who cares? Who cares if I ever find God's will for my life? Who cares? Now, I'm not saying I'm always there, preacher, because I'm stupid and I mess up a lot. I just ask my wife. We won't give her a microphone let her testify. But I've walked across it. I've been there a time or two. There's been times in my life, preacher, where I knew that I was in the exact right place at the right time doing the right thing. And buddy, when you get there, everything else is junk, isn't it? Well, anyhow, not only are people who are submitted to God pleasing to God, what about this? What about people who are separated for God? Not separated from God. Don't get it confused. Not separated from God. Separated for God. I'm talking about separation. Now preacher, we used to preach on separation all the time, but you don't hear it much anymore. Uh, But it's still right. It's still right for God's people to live right. It's still right for God's people to be clean and to be separated. Excuse me. I'm running out of spit, preacher. Now when you go to talking about separation, people get nervous. They get unnerved. Hey, hey, I'm just stupid enough to believe that you can live in this world and not be of this world. Uh, You absolutely should be able to tell a church member apart from a bar hopper. Somebody help me. Here's what 2 Timothy 2 says. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. God said, you want to please me? Sure, I believe you. But don't entangle yourself with the things of this world. Now let me just clarify where the Bible stands on this issue. It's not right for a church member to drink liquor on Saturday night and then shout on Sunday morning. It's not right for you to cuss like a sailor uh, Monday through Friday and then expect to get a prayer through on Sunday. It's not right for you to live like hell and expect to go to heaven. I just want to remind Ladies and gentlemen, this Bible's pretty clear uh, that, it, uh, that in order to go to heaven, you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Uh, you'll never convince me uh, that you're saved if you still love to party, raise hell, and revel in sin. You'll never convince me of that. <clears throat> Terry was talking about doctrine. Uh, preacher, we can differ on some things. And we can split hairs on whether you can or you can't lose it. I'm not interested in that. Here's what I'm interested in, preacher. I'm interested in, did you ever have it to begin with? Here's why, preacher. 
it's impossible to come in contact with Jesus Christ and remain the same. It's impossible. You can't do it. It can't be done. Jesus is a life-changing Savior. Boy, everybody, here's what everybody will say, Joanne, when they want to justify what they're doing. They'll say, well, Jesus ate with sinners. They need to read on down because when they got up from the table, they wasn't sinners anymore, preacher. Jesus didn't change to suit what they were doing. No, sir, they changed to suit what Jesus was doing. Everywhere Jesus went, He made a change. I get kind of... I'll let that go, but I can't. I'm getting kind of tired, preacher. You try to invite somebody to church and they say... Oh, they ain't nothing down there but a bunch of hypocrites. And here's why they say that. Here's why they say that. There's a group of people, preacher, who live like hell Monday through Saturday and then show up to Sunday and want to hoop and holler and shout and run and swing from the chandeliers and everything else. And that's left a bad taste in their mouth. And it should, by the way. It should, by the way. But there's still a few of us uh, that try to live right. There's still a few of us who want to live clean. I, I just believe saved people ought to do what's right. I said I think saved people ought to do what's right. Saved people uh, ought to live clean. Uh, saved people uh, ought to always take the high road when it comes to moral and ethical decisions. And no wonder we all get collectively uh, labeled as hypocrites, preacher. It's because of that crowd. It's because of that crowd. I, I mean, y- y'all to just be separated, man. Y'all to just live holy. Y'all just, y'all to just do the best you can to live right. Y- y'all to just live clean. If you, I mean, y'all outside of breathing and eating, bless God, y'all to just stop it. I mean, bless God, live right or drop dead. Somebody help me right there. That's that's a pretty good way of putting it, ain't it? Uh, somebody asked me one time, Terry, they said, how come all you Christians are so fat? I said, well, when you get saved, you got to quit everything. All we got left is eating. <laughs> Don't laugh. We'll look at your wedding pictures after a while. Yeah. Some, yeah. Of, some of you, bless God, so fat you can't even bow your head to pray. That's right. You know what the good thing about being fat is, though, preacher? You can fall asleep sitting up and your head not bob around and hurt your neck. <laughs> Woohoo! Ain't we having a time? I just believe y'all to be. I'm going. I just think y'all to be separated. I just think y'all to live right. I just think y'all to do right. I just think y'all to please God with the way that you live your life with your choices. But we've lost it somewhere, preacher. We think we're justified. For years and years and years, uh, they said that the Baptists gave people a license to sin. But the Bible says that the grace of God is not lasciviousness. I, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for somebody who said that they were saved and they never darkened the door of the church. They drunk, they raised hell, they partied, they snorted cocaine, all that other mess. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for their salvation. <clears throat> They didn't lose it, preacher. They never had it. Well, anyhow, let me mention one more. Not only do submitted people please God, not only do separated please God, but let me say this. What about this? What about people who show up? People who show up 
are pleasing to God. People who show up. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about people who show up to church. I'm talking about people who show up and worship the living God. Here's what Psalm 69, 30 and 31 says. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord. Better than not. Remember, we're talking about Old Testament times. We're talking about when they still sacrificed. Uh, they said, pray, David said, praising the name of God with a song shall please God better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. God said that he's more interested in the praise of his people than he is sacrifice. God said he's pleased when his people worship him. He's pleased when his people praise him. God wants to hear from his people. God wants His people to show up. God wants His people to worship. God wants His people to sing. He wants them to pray. God, here it is, real simple, bottom line. God wants to have a relationship with His people. It's about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about dogma. It's not even really about doctrine. And I believe in doctrine. I mean, bless God, if you don't have doctrine, you've got a bunch of dummies. But it's not all about all that other stuff. It's about a relationship. It's personal. It's all about having a relationship with God. Remember when we first started out, we was talking about a walk. How how the Christian life's a journey. And and how, how we compared it to a walk. Well, here's what a walk is with God. It's a relationship. Best example I can think of, preacher. If you read Genesis 5, you'll find that there was a man named Enoch. Here's what the Bible said about Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God. They had a relationship. They were friends. They were close. They spent time together. Listen to me now. And their relationship was so close. And their relationship was so good, Terry. One day God said, Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you just come on and go home with me? And the Bible said that Enoch was not, for God took him. Enoch just walked into heaven one day. He didn't have to die, and he just walked into heaven one day. Why? Uh, Because Enoch. What did Enoch do that was so special? Enoch and God had a relationship. Hebrews 11.5 tells us this, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. This was Enoch's testimony. Is everybody listening? That he pleased God. Enoch was translated. Enoch got to walk into heaven. Enoch got to go home with God one day because he was pleasing to God. There's got to be a relationship, preacher. You've got to talk to God. You've got to let Him talk to you. You've got to spend time with Him. You've got to make an effort to cultivate that relationship with Him. I mean, not just dust God off every few months when you need something. No, sir. You've got to show up. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to be committed. That's how you please God. Number three, real quickly, let me give you this. Let me give you this in conclusion. I've shown you the two types of people, preacher. Those who do, do please God, those who don't please God. But let me show you the promises. Let me show you the benefits. Let me show you the blessings. Uh, uh, what are the, what's the big deal anyhow, preacher? What are the benefits of pleasing God? First of all, being pleasing to God is going to bring peace into your life. Proverbs 16, 7 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I'm talking about peace. God says, if you'll just be pleasing in my sight, I'm going to give you peace. Now that doesn't mean, by the way, that everything's always going to be right. That just means that you'll have peace in your heart whether everything's right 
or whether everything's wrong. See, we, we get confused between happiness and peace. We get confused between happiness and joy, preacher. Happiness, we get our word happiness from the word happening. Happiness is circumstantial. But joy lasts. Peace lasts. Excuse me. Second of all, not only does God promise peace to those who please Him, God promises that their prayers will be answered. 1 John 3.22 says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing, that are pleasing in His sight. Now, I don't know about you, dear friend, but I want God to answer my prayer. I want God to give me the desires of my heart. I, I want God to answer my request. And He said He'd do it if you'd be pleasing in His sight. That's what your Bible says. Let me give you one more and then i got to close. Isaiah 56, 4 and 5 says, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me, that please me. Choose the things. Remember we said it was a choice. Choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. What's the Bible say about having a good name, preacher? It's more precious than what? A good name is valuable. A good testimony is valuable. And here's the thing. I know people mess up and I know people make mistakes, but once your testimony's ruined, you've ruined it. Because God will forgive you. God will forget about it. God will cast it as far as the east is from the west. The problem is people won't. People aren't anywhere near as forgiven as God is, preacher. <clears throat> so here's my question. 50 years from now when you're gone... Will your children and your grandchildren be able to stand in church one day and say, Boy, Grandma and Grandpa, they sure served God. They sure pleased God. They finished well. They started well. Hey, I want you to finish right, but I'm far more interested. Excuse me. I want you to start right, but I'm far more interested in finishing right. It's not always about how you start. It's about how you finish. Paul said to fight the good fight. Finish. And lay hold on eternal life. So I just want to ask you a question. Are you living a life that's pleasing to the Lord? Are you living a life that's so pleasing that He would establish your name forever that you would leave a testimony behind for your children and for your grandchildren and for your great-grandchildren to say, Boy, Mamma loved God. Boy, Papa loved God. They served God. They did what pleased God. Are you leaving that behind for the next generation of your family? I think about... <clears throat> I'm going to tell this and I've got to close. I think about a, uh, a boy a preacher was trying to deal with. Uh, he quit eating. His grades, I'm talking about an a, an, an a student. His grades started slipping. He wasn't sleeping at night. He's getting in trouble at school. And they said, preacher, you've got to talk to him. We're not getting through to him. So he went and he, 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 he called him one night, one, one night after church on Sunday night. He said, son, he said, talk to me. What's going on? He said, you went from being an A student, you was on the honor roll, you was, I mean, you was on the student council, you was doing all this good stuff, all this extracurricular stuff, now you're, 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 you've been suspended and you just, you're, you're not sleeping at night, you're not eating. Son, what's going on? Is it drugs? What, can, can I help you? You've always been a good boy. And he said, preacher, about three months ago my papa died, excuse me. Preacher, my papa was lost. And he said, all I can think about is my papa was in hell. 
He said, I get up in the morning, go sit at the breakfast table. I look down at that plate of food and I think, while I'm sitting here eating breakfast, my papa's burning in hell. He said, I get to school and he, he said, I look up at the clock and it'll say 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or whatever. And, and I can't help but think, my papa's been burning in hell all night, preacher. He loved his papa. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And he said, that's all I can think of, man, is my papa's burning in hell. Isn't that sad? Isn't that a shame? And it, uh, how much the more, ladies and gentlemen, should we be living our lives to leave a clear-cut testimony to our children and our grandchildren that Mama and Papa's in heaven, Mama and Daddy's in heaven? Shame on us if we can't do that, Benny. The preacher shouldn't have to get up above you and him haul around on whether or not you went to heaven or hell. We ought to leave a clear-cut testimony. We ought to leave it in stone about whether, we're, whether or not we're going to spend eternity with God or not. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not going to give a long invitation, but I do want to give a simple one. Terry, would you come pick something on the guitar for me? I want to ask you a question. Real simple question. Is everybody listening? Are you pleasing in the sight of God? I mean, there's nobody here but us tonight. It's just family tonight. Let's just take a moment and do spiritual inventory, can we? Is God pleased with how you live your life, sir? Is God pleased with with how you live your life? Is the Lord satisfied with your way of life? Are you proud of the way that you've lived your life? (coughs) Excuse me. If you had to stand before God tonight, could you be proud of the way that you've lived? Or would you have regrets? Dear friend, I feel sure that we've all got some room for improvement when it comes to pleasing God. What about you? Are you living separated? Do you live like hell? Do you live like the world when you leave the four walls of the church house? How's your attendance at God's house, by the way? If you don't show up, ladies and gentlemen, if you're half in, if you're half out... You're never going to be pleasing in the sight of God. I just wonder, do you even care? Does it even cross your mind? Does it even matter to you anymore? Uh, Do you even care if God's pleased with your life or not? I I just wonder, would you be honest enough tonight to ask yourself this question? Am I pleasing to God? Is the Lord satisfied with my life? Would you ask yourself that question tonight? Father... Thank you for your word. Thank you for this simple thought, Lord. I pray for these, my friends, my family that's on this altar tonight, God. Lord, I know I failed you in this area. But Lord, I want you to be satisfied with me. Lord, I know these people here seeking tonight, Lord, they want you to be satisfied with them too. God, I pray, the Lord, that you'd help us be more than we've ever been. Help us to grow closer. Help us to grow stronger. Help us to be better Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. You stay on the altar as long as you need to, ladies and gentlemen.